Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today on this beautiful Sunday morning. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Growtown Campus, those in our atrium, those watching at home and on demand. I'll tell you, this is the day the Lord has made, and we're here to rejoice and be glad in it. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about this little boy that went in um, to his mother's bedroom and noticed that she was putting cold cream on her face? He said, Mom, why are you putting that stuff on your face? She said, I'm doing this to make myself beautiful. Well, he went on and played, and a few minutes later, he came back, and he saw her with the tissue wiping the cold cream off. He says, Mom, what are you doing? Have you given up already? (laughs) The next day that the mom was out walking the neighborhood like she loved to do, and over the last, uh, the previous week, she had noticed an old man down the street sitting on his porch just in a rocking chair. And she noticed how happy he seemed and how carefree he seemed. So on this particular day, she said, I'm going to just go stop and talk to him. And she walked up and said, I've noticed that you're you're so happy and and carefree. Um, Tell me, uh, what do you do? Uh, How have you lived like this? He said, well, I've got three things. He said, I smoke three packs of cigarettes every day. I eat junk food and I refuse to exercise. She said, really? She couldn't believe that. She said, well, how old are you? He said, 26. (laughs) Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Rebuilding My Life. So let me start with a question. Do you ever wish that you could just start over? You ever wish that you could start over? You know how it is. You're halfway through a project. Maybe you're uh, painting uh, your house. Maybe you're cleaning out your garage. You're halfway through and you just say, man, I wish I could start over. Maybe you're halfway through raising your kids or maybe halfway through your marriage or halfway through your career and wish that you could just turn back time and that you could start over and do it a little bit differently. I believe that the Word of God gives you the spiritual power to start over. Now, I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf, but I'm talking about embracing a new life, rebuilding your life. So here's the big idea for this series. God specializes in giving people a fresh start. That's the big idea. God specializes in giving people a fresh start. Now, when you read the Bible, story after story uh, talks about how God has generously offered us um, new beginnings and fresh starts and second chances. In fact, we open it up in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. We see the story of Adam and Eve. God gave them clear rules, and they chose to break them. Now, God could have ended their lives right then and there and started over new and fresh but he didn't. He decided to let them live. And even though their actions had consequences, they were able to live. And this was God's way of saying that not only to Adam and Eve, but to their future generations, that you can have a second chance. We go through the Old Testament and we meet King David. King David 
made some serious mistakes, including committing adultery and orchestrating a murder. But when he sincerely asked for forgiveness, God gave him a second chance and an opportunity to rebuild his life. We're going through the pages of the Old Testament. We meet a man named Jonah. Now, Jonah had a calling of God on his life, and God called him to go to the city of Nineveh and to preach a message of repentance because they were on the wrong path. They were doing evil things. But instead of embracing his call, he went the other way. And while he was headed to Tarshish, God did some extraordinary things to get his attention, even to the point where he was swallowed by a whale. And it's in those moments that he came to his senses and he agreed to go to Nineveh. And he did that, and God honored that. They had a great revival, and the city was spared. We go through the pages of the New Testament, and we see, uh, an, uh, we see Jesus uh, highlight a woman who is caught in the act of adultery. Now, the law said that she is to be stoned for what she has done. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to give you another chance. We move on through the New Testament, and we see Jesus give a parable of a young man who squandered his inheritance on reckless living. Now, when this young man hit bottom, he made a decision to go back home. Now, his father didn't punish him, but his father welcomed him with open arms. He was given an opportunity to rebuild his life and to rejoin his family. The overarching theme of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is this, that you can have a second chance. It's about starting over. It's about rebuilding your life. The Old Testament lays the groundwork. The New Testament completes it with Jesus' life and sacrifice. And what we learn from the life of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross is that we've all made mistakes, we have all sinned, but Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, paid for our wrongdoing, paid for our sins when he died on the cross. And when we receive his forgiveness, Jesus gives us an opportunity to start over. So in this series, we're going to look at how to to move past our mistakes. We're going to focus on how to embrace a new direction that God has for us. We're going to start over. Now, again, we're not talking about turning over a new leaf for the new year. We're talking about embracing a new life. And during this season, we're also in 21 days of prayer. And our focus in 21 days of prayer is God get the junk out of our lives and let us be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how Paul describes that. He said, you are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. God is saying that once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you start growing. You start changing. You start rebuilding every part of your life. Now, this this is a process, and this is a process of growth. It's like changing your clothes. You take off the old clothes, the old clothes that are smelly, uh, the old clothes that are dirty and sweaty, and you get rid of those old clothes. 
But this verse says, then you put on some new clothes, which are fresh and clean, and they make you feel good. But this is a process. It's a process of sanctification. It's a process where the old person inside of you surrenders, submits, and the old person dies, and that there's a new person, a new life that comes up inside of you. You become a new person. Now, speaking of old clothes... This week, Patty and I went through our closets, and we found winter coats and clothes that we do not wear. Now, this coming week, we're going to take those clothes to the Dream Center. And I want you to consider doing the same thing. This is a holiday weekend, so you've got some extra time. I want you to go through your closets, and do you have any winter coats, any clothes that you have replaced over Christmas? They're good and gently worn clothes that would be a blessing to somebody that doesn't have a winter coat, that doesn't have clothes to wear. And so just consider that and, and make sure to, to bring it. And let's make a difference. Let's wrap, around, let's wrap our arms around the under-resourced community in this uh, region and help them along the way. Now, if you're in the South Campus, you can bring those in and drop them off at the Dream Center. In our Grovetown Campus, you can put them um, under the drive as you... I go into the front of the church, and here at uh, the Augusta campus, you can stop it off, at, drop it off at entry number two. So I'll, I want to encourage you to do that. Better yet, how about this? Why don't you bring them to 21 Days of Prayer tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock? At all of our campuses, we'll be meeting at 7 a.m. It's a holiday, so you can come and start your holiday off together in prayer. And this commercial was brought to you by Stevens Creek Church, <laughs> where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. Now, back to our story. Now, Paul writes that you need to put on some new clothes, a new self. But Paul said, this is a process. It's a process of sanctification. It's a process of spiritual growth. I believe that every one of us can start this process by doing four things. Now, these are preliminary things that you need to do to get ready for a major restart, to get ready for a major reboot, to to start rebuilding your life. So today, we are preparing for this new chapter. So today's just all about preparation. Today, we are preparing for a new chapter. Here's the first thing. I want you to start asking God to do something new and fresh in your life. Start asking God to do something new and do something fresh in your life. We are in 21 days of prayer. This is a good time to pray. God, change me. God, do something new in me. I don't want to go through another year dealing with the same problems I had last year. God, I want you to get the junk out. I want you to do something new in me. I want a a fresh touch. I want a new anointing. I want to be free. I believe if you're willing to surrender completely to the Lord, he is more than able to do a new work in your life. He's more than able to give you a fresh start. That's what Jesus said in Revelation 21 and verse 5. He said, behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. That's what Jesus does. He changes lives. So if you are fed up with the old way, surrender to the Lord. He'll make it new. That's what David prayed 
He said, create in me a a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, David wrote these words after he had fallen, after he had committed adultery, after he had orchestrated a murder, and God restored him. You know what that says to me? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen. That God's grace is big enough. God's mercy is big enough to reach down and to pull you up from where you have fallen and set your feet on a solid ground. That's the gospel. That's the good news. You may be a product of your past, but in Jesus Christ, you will no longer be a prisoner of your past. You will be free in Jesus' name. I love the words of the prophet Isaiah when he talks about the process of becoming new. He said these words in uh, chapter 43, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? What we see here is that when we come to a place where we surrender to the Lord and we give our lives over him, he comes and Jesus comes and makes all things new. In other words, I believe that he brings to you new opportunities, new relationships. He'll bring new favor in your life. The power of Jesus will give you the power to be on top and not on bottom, to be above and not beneath. It may look like you'll always struggle, and you're always struggling, but I believe that in Jesus and in his power, your life can change, that doors will open for you. The medical report says that you may have to live with this sickness. It's been a long time, but God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing that health is coming, strength is coming, power is coming, healing is coming in Jesus' name. And I'd say I receive that in Jesus' name. That child that's been off course for years, you've accepted the fact that, oh, he'll never change. This is just his life. But I'm saying to you, God is doing a new thing, that the forces of darkness will be broken in Jesus' name, that purpose and destiny are rising up, and that you are going to see a turnaround. Or perhaps you've struggled with an addiction for a long time, and you've tried um, quitting, you've tried counseling, but nothing seems to work. I would say to you that today, today is a new day that chains are now being broken and you're going to be loose. What's kept you in captivity is now coming to an end. Now, I believe that you've got to do your part. You've got to do your part. You've got to admit it. You've got to admit that your life is unmanageable. And you've got to come to the place where you recognize that you need a power that is greater than yourself. So admit it and then ask God to help. Ask God to help and believe that he's going to do that. That belief is that faith. Put your faith in him. Now, when you start to see this, God's going to start to change your life. Now, when Isaiah prophesied these words, the Israelites noticed their story. They were in Babylonian captivity. They had been there a long time, year after year, and nothing seems to be changing. 
Now, I'm sure they, they thought, you know what? This is just who we are. This is our lot in life. We'll, we'll always have this struggle. We'll always be oppressed. But then Isaiah shows up and said, get ready, get ready, get ready. God's going to do something different. God's going to do something new. And, and I'm sure they could have thought, yeah, yeah, we've heard this song and dance before. Um, have you seen our enemies? Have you seen them? I mean, they're big. They're huge. Look how powerful they are. All the circumstances of their lives reminded them that they're just stuck. They started to believe we'll never have an abundant life. We'll never own our own houses. Uh, We'll never uh, have children who understand freedom. There's a temptation when you are in the pit to start talking yourself out of the good things that God has for you. You talk yourself out of God's blessing. Oh, I don't deserve that. That's not me. That will happen to other people. It's never going to happen to me. And we just talk ourselves out of the blessings of God. Let me say this. The odds may be against you, but listen to me today. God is for you. The odds may be against you, but God is for you. The Israelites had been through many struggles. A lot of unfair things happened to them. They had made mistakes. Yeah, they had brought a lot of trouble on themselves. They could be sitting there in self-pity and discouragement. But hear the word of Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I think the principle from these two verses is simple. If you keep dwelling on the past, you won't see the new thing coming. If you keep dwelling on the past, you'll never see the new thing coming. If you keep dwelling on the person who hurt you, you will not see the new thing coming. You'll miss your destiny. God is saying to you simply, forget it. Quit dwelling on it. This is a new day. As long as you keep looking back at the old, you'll never see the new. Here's an exercise for you today. When you leave a church today, and you get in your car, and you head home, you'll notice there's this big windshield in your car. It's all in front of you. But you'll also notice what's in front, a little rear view mirror right in uh, there too. Now, the reason that the rear, rear view mirror is so small is because what is behind you is not nearly as important as what is in front of you. Where you're going is more important. Where you're going is more important than where you've been. And so I want you to hear that. Stop dwelling on all of the times that you've failed. Stop dwelling on all of the the mistakes you've made. That's in the past. That is in the rearview mirror. You are headed forward, and I want you to look ahead. I said there's four things that we're going to do to prepare us, to prepare us. Here's the second one. I want you to take time to carefully identify what you want to change in your life. I want you to take time to carefully identify what you want to change in your life. This is the part where we are going to be specific. If you want a brand new start, you've got to pinpoint specifically what you want changed in your life. Nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. Nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. And the more specific you are in your life and and in your prayers, 
the more quickly God's going to answer. And so you're probably like me. We're in 21 days of prayer. And so we, we just surrender and say, God, change me. We pray that prayer, don't we? But what if we pause long enough to listen? God, change me. Well, what do you want changed? That would be the next question. What do you want changed? What is that thing that, that you want changed? You've got to identify that. You'll never solve your problems until you first start to identify the problem. And so many times we live in denial. We ignore the problems. But I'm saying the first step to healing is to admit you're sick. The first step to solving a problem is to admit that this is a problem. This is a problem, a real problem. So let me ask you a question. What are the problems you have in your life? Oh, I don't have any problems, Marty. Everything's good. Well, that's your problem. That is definitely your problem. We tend to live in denial and we keep denying things. The more specific about the changes that you want God to make in your life, the quicker that you'll see those changes come to pass. I love uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, examine yourself. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. There comes a point where we have to pause and say, do a, a, a moral inventory to examine ourselves. What's really going on here? So we're going to do that just for a moment. Let's just pause and let's examine ourselves. So how is our connection with God? Has there ever been a time in your life where you have been closer to God? If so, that's your problem. That your glory days are in the past. So we want to focus on our uh, spiritual reboot, a spiritual reconnection, a rededication. That we're here to rededicate our lives to the Lord. What about your health? Do you have any problems in your health? What about your priorities? What about your relationships? What about your marriage? What about your career? Are you happy at work? Have you ever thought about this? Just give it over to the Lord. How about your daily habits? Do you have any bad habits you need to change? I want you to carefully identify what needs to be changed in your life. Do a fearless moral inventory. What are those things that need to change? They need to go. I said there's four things. Here's the third one. And these are preparation steps. We're preparing for this new chapter. The third thing, I want you to surround yourself with positive influences that will help you make this change. I want you to surround yourself with positive influences that will help you make this change. You need other people walking with you on this journey. In fact, you need the power and the support from a small group. You are not made to go through this journey or this life on your own. If you want to have a new life and you want to be strong, you need other people with you. This is the message of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He said, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And notice this, uh, a cord of three strands is not easily or quickly broken. You know, two people working together, you're not going to defeat them, but three people are even better. 
And when you start talking about three people, you're talking about a small group. Paul said it this way, so in Christ, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we're connected to each other. We need each other. Think about it this way. It's like climbing Mount Everest. You can't climb Mount Everest by yourself. You'll never make it. You have to, if you're going to climb Mount Everest, you have to do it with a team of others, a team of people. In the same way, we set out for the new year to rebuild our lives. You need a team of people that's going to help you. You need people that's going to encourage you along the way, people that will give you strength when you're weak, people that will hold you accountable, and that you become stronger because of the influence of other people. I hate to tell you this, but this is what's going to happen this year. You're probably going to have a crisis in 2024. You're probably going to have some kind of crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's a relational crisis. Maybe it's a physical crisis. It's coming. It's called life. Life happens. And you need a group of people around you when life happens. You need a group of people that you can call that will show up to help you through that crisis, through that difficulty. So I want to encourage you to get in a small group. We've talked about small groups a lot. In a few weeks from now, we're going to have small group Sunday, and, and you're going to have an opportunity to sign up, to get on your team. I love the words of the Hebrews. It said, now, let us consider how we can spur one another on, how we can encourage one another, how we can help fight for one another, spur one another on through what? Love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one one another all the while as we see the day approaching. So it is so important for you to get in a small group or get on a serving team. When you're in a small group or you're on a serving team here at the church, you make relationships. Have you ever looked at somebody that had those deep, deep, um, decade-long relationships or friendships, and you say, man, I would like to have those. Man, they must be lucky over there to have such long-lasting friends. You know what? It's not a luck. It's not. It's a choice. If you want friends in your life... You've got to make time for them. And do you know why people are not, uh, why people are lonely? It's because they don't make time for friends. We get so involved in making money and growing businesses and doing other things, but we're not willing to put time in other people and make deep relationships. The Bible says you've got to meet together. You've got to get together. Real friendships just don't happen. They happen because you choose to make time for them. It's not luck. It's a choice. And so we will all grow stronger individually as we grow stronger in groups, serving teams and small groups. I said there's four things. Here's the fourth one. And these are preparation steps. We're just preparing for this new chapter 
I want you to remove anything that is not beneficial to your spiritual, to your mental, or to your physical life. I want you to remove it. We talk about get the junk out of your life. This is the point for that. I want you to remove anything that is not beneficial for your spiritual life, uh, for your mental life, or for your physical health. And so we're asking you this year to carve out time to pray. We're asking you to carve out time to read the Bible. But here's what I know. You only have so many hours in the day. And you can't burn the candle at both ends. So we already have our schedule really mapped out. So we say, we hear this at church. Okay, carve out time to pray. Carve out time to read your Bible. And I said, man, I just don't have, I mean, I am just going all day long. Listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. He said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance or run with patience the race that God has set before us. Now, typically, there are two things that keeps you from being the person that God has created you to be. And those two things are mentioned in this one verse. First of all, sins, and secondly, weights. Now, we all know what sins are. Sins are, you know, when God tells you to do something and you say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's a sin. I'm just not going to do what God wants me. That's a sin. But you hear this, okay, what are these things are weights? The weight that so easily besets us. What are weights? Now, weights can be good things, but even though they're good things, they may still slow you down. And these good things have the tendency to hold you back from better things that God has for you. Now, a weight can be a number of things. A weight can be a relationship. It's a good relationship. But could it be that relationship is holding you back from becoming the person that you're created to be? A weight can be a job. Now, that job's a good job. It is a safe job. But could it be that there's a better job for you in the days ahead? Could it be that God has a better place for you to serve? A weight could be anything that's holding you back. It can be an activity. It can be an expectation. It can be a fear. It can be a memory or whatever. It's those things that are weighing you down. And oftentimes when those things start weighing us down, it causes us to have stress. It increases worry in our lives. And then that just uh, magnifies those issues. We are in 21 days of prayer, and I strongly want to encourage you to add prayer to your week. We'll be here every morning at 7 a.m. at all three campuses. We're praying. Saturday at 9 a.m. But you say, Marty, my schedule just doesn't work that way. I have to be at at work at 6 o'clock. Are you off on Martin Luther King Day? Oh, good. See you tomorrow. But... Carve out some time throughout the day. Just carve out. It may be on your drive from here to SRS. It just may be that's your time. So I want you just to think about that. Carve out time to have a conversation and make room for God in your life. And then as you cut things out, 
You're going to cut things out so that you can add things in. And so put God in your schedule. Make time for prayer. Make time to read your Bible or listen to the audio version of the Bible. Make time for a small group. I mean, just real practical. Do you really want to watch another rerun of Friends, or would you like to join a small group and make some? Just very practical. You want to watch another rerun? I mean, how many times have you seen it? Funny every time. But how many times have you seen it? How about just carving out maybe two episodes? Carve out some time for the Lord. So I realize that you've got to adjust your schedule. So here's one bit of homework for you. This week, I want you to quit something. Now, I gave you this challenge last year. I was reading some of the writings of Bob Goff, who is a famous author, and he challenged the world to quit something. Bob writes, he said, every Thursday I quit something. He goes on to say, we can quit anything on Thursdays. So this week, I want you to quit something. So what is it? What are you going to quit doing? What are you going to stop doing to make your life better? What are you going to stop doing to make your load lighter? Because you see, all those things you've added on, just like I said earlier, they have become now stressors for you. They're stressing you out. They're causing worry in your life. And, and you're, you feel like you walk in and you, you've got the weight of the world on you. I want to speak to you and speak to you very practically, very lovingly. I seriously want you to look at your life. Every one of you, look at your life and say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. Just one thing. Quit doing something. You're trying to do too much. You're trying to do too much. Quit doing something. What is that one thing? That one thing that maybe will be the difference between you being bound and you being free. Today is your day. This is Martin Luther King weekend, and we're here to celebrate freedom. But here's more than anything else I understand is he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I believe that God has freedom for you and freedom in store for you. That those weights that you feel, that weight, it could be a weight of guilt or a weight of shame. It could be a weight of worry or fear. That weight is holding you back. Today, I'm going to pray that God will systematically remove that pressure, remove that weight from your life. That he will come in with his anointing. The Bible says that the anointing will break the yoke. In other words, you feel yoked to this, uh, this problem. God today, in this prayer, he's going to break that yoke and you're going to go home feeling different because your load is going to be lighter because he is going to bear the load for you. So what is that weight for you? How about at South Campus? How about at Grovetown? What is that weight that you're carrying? The Lord would say to you, surrender this to him. Give it over to him. You are trying to manage the entire world, and it's not your responsibility.
to manage the entire world. But for somehow, you have convinced yourself it is your responsibility. Today, hear me, it is time to surrender. Surrender your life, surrender your heart, surrender this job, surrender this ministry. Give it over to the Lord and say, God, I need help today. He's coming. He's going to come help, and he's going to, he's going to come and bring help, and he's going to bring freedom to you. So let's all stand together across our campuses. I want to pray over you. I'm just going to believe that God is going to lighten your load. God is going to lift your spirit. God is going to help you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your presence be across our campuses today. Let your anointing rest upon us, Lord. I want to pray, first of all, for those that have never accepted Christ. And you have the weight of sin, the weight of shame, and the weight of guilt on you. Today, you're going to be free. So pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Just say, God, forgive me of my sins. Make me into the kind of person you want me to be. Say this. Say, God, I give you my past, all of it, and I trust you with my future. Fill me with your spirit. I receive Jesus as my Lord today. Everybody, heads still bowed. How many of you would raise your hands across this auditorium and say, Marty, I prayed that prayer today. Yes. Still across. Yes, 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 still, yes, yes. All over, you can put them down. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, not only that you would touch these people that have made that decision and, made, and prayed that prayer, but right now, Father, I pray for those that are burdened, those that are carrying those weights. First of all, I pray for the ones that have fear. They're just covered in fear. In the name of Jesus, we break the fear over your life. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would lighten the load. I pray for those that, that feel like they are being spiritually attacked. I ask, God, that you would send angels to war on their behalf, that you would send angels to lift up their spirit, that you would push back the darkness. I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling with sickness. You're struggling with a chronic condition, and you've battled with this for some months and even years. I pray in the name of Jesus that healing comes to you. I pray for those that are struggling with an addiction. I pray, God, that this would be the day that that hold of that addiction would be broken and that you are free. So today, Lord, we receive what you have for us. We receive this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.